Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. <coughs> Genesis tells us that one of the first tools that humanity began to make was instruments. Instruments to make music, instruments to be a part of, well, the culture of human beings. But believers, believers take hold of all of those tools and, and harness them for the good and praise of God. To do both things. What both things? Well, on the one hand, to declare again what God has said to make the promises of God memorable by linking them together in poetry and music so that they can become earworms to accompany us along our days. The opportunity for the Holy Spirit to be alongside you as you are humming a song that is a song of the church it is a, an accompaniment, and in fact, even the soundtrack of our lives. When I was fairly small yet, I had to walk to school. Now, I didn't walk uphill both ways. It was up a little bit and then down a little bit both ways. That's the way walking to school worked for me. And I didn't have to walk to school in snow because I was in Los Angeles. And what do you know from snow in Los Angeles? I just walked to school. But it was about, oh, about a 35-minute walk. And I can even remember now, many times, and I'm strange, I get this. But Monday morning and even Tuesday morning, accompanying my walk to school with hymns that I had sung on the Sunday before. One of the memories that my older brother and sister continued to chide me with is that when it came time to ask for requests for singing hymns in Sunday school, I was one of those who raised their hand way too early and didn't even wait to be called on but just shouted out, Jesus loves me. It's number eight <laughs> in the book. And it was. Hymns have been a part of what it meant for me to be a confessing Christian. I learned the language of praise and I learned the language of the enduring saints from the past from their poetry. And there, there's something about struggling over a line to try to find just the right word, to capture both the word of the Lord for the circumstances I'm in, as well as the corresponding human response under the work of the Holy Spirit. That, that task is a sacred task. 
in our service today, we have song that spans the gamut. The first song we sang, Psalm 27, is really old. I mean, really old. Think, think 1000 BC or so old. I mean, that's old. And yet these poems have served the believing church of God for all of those generations since David gave it to us. What a remarkable thing. Anybody that you have ever read about or known about in any part of church history sang that song. Guaranteed. And you get to link your voice and link your arms together with them if you believe as I do that those folks are with the Lord. And all of your living voices here get to pair up with the chorus that they are singing alongside us in the company of angels and archangels and the rest of the heavenly chorus. And we get to sing together songs that we all know. Right? From little on up. This is, this is our curriculum as well as our celebration together. And for David to be in the midst of circumstances and to have the promises of God and to put them all together and say, I have all kinds of ways that I could go in my life, but I, I'm going to cling to the word of the Lord and know that in the middle of darkness, he is my light, he is my strength, and he is my song. And folks, that's what it means to sing a new song. It's not that it's copyrighted in the 21st century. To sing a new song is to sing a song in contrast to the world's song. To sing a new song is to sing a song that has got the imprimatur of the Holy Spirit on it. That it is grounded, grounded in the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because in Christ you are a new creation. And to open your mouth with the song of God's people. With your Grounding in the work of the Son of God, you are a new creation, singing a new song, even when it's 3,000 years old, because it doesn't fit the world's pattern. We have some newer songs than that. Of course, we've got 150 of those that that span the time of the Old Testament, many of them from, from David's own pen. But we, we do have some newer ones. I, I'd invite you to take hold of the hymnal and turn to, uh, turn to 
page 652, for example. This is one of our newer ones. <coughs> Father, we thank thee who has planted thy holy name within our hearts. Now, this one comes all the way up from the second century A.D. I mean, now we're, we're after Christ. Now we're in the, the 100s, in fact, already. This is a, a poem, a poetic portion of a portion of church writing called The Teaching, the Didache, the Teaching of the Church. And it's the song to be sung as the bread and the wine are being brought to the altar for the sake of having the words of institution from our Lord spoken over them so that they might be for our good, the blessing of the body and blood of Christ. All of the offerings together, the fruits of the earth, and a portion of which then to come and be a part of what is then given back to the people of God as the body and blood of Christ. A marvelous display of thankfulness for all of the good gifts of God and the return that God makes of those gifts back for not only just our bodily good, but also for the sake of salvation of our souls. All the way up there in the second century. Well, we, we have some newer ones as well. I invite you to turn to Hymn number 332. We've got a newer one here yet. 332. Savior of the nations come. Familiar from the Advent season. Savior of the nations come. Traces the entire story of Christ commissioned from God the Father to come to earth at Christmas to endure his life among us and then even the cross, death, resurrection. The presence of God moving from temple to the womb of Mary to the body and blood of Christ in our mouths. The descent and the victory over hell and death and then finally even the return to God the Father so that the cocktails of our Lord would be extended down even to us. Oh, now we're all the way up to the 300s. A marvelous poem. Given to us by Ambrose of Milan, the, uh, the pastor whose preaching converted St. Augustine from Greek philosophy to the Christian faith. Ambrose was the first bishop that was passionate about congregational singing. And he was passionate about the people of God joining in on the entire worship experience. It didn't always play out in every circumstance, but Ambrose was one that wanted to give the song to God's people. <coughs> 
If you're ever curious as to where and to whom and when these songs come, there's a little note at the bottom of the page each time. And you can see there where the text comes from, and you can see there where the tunes come from. But we've got some that are even newer than that. We've got <coughs> tunes from Bernard of Clairvaux from the Middle Ages. We've certainly got a plethora of songs written by Martin Luther as well in the 1500s. One for almost every season of the church year, as well as one for each portion of the catechism. So that adds up. And then songs that come from every generation and culture around the world that has known Christ. Tanzania and China and Japan. We don't sing those probably as often as we ought to because sometimes they're a little bit less familiar. But they're in here, and we should dust them off. Hymns from Latin America, and even from Eastern Europe as well. From Australia, truly from around the world and every continent. As the mission of God has expanded, each generation and each culture has taken hold of the instruments of praise and added their song to the chorus of the people of God. In today's service, we have a contemporary hymn, the one we just sang. The the guy who wrote that one just died a few years ago. And the settings that we have, even for the liturgy, are new in our generation as well. These good gifts from our Lord teach us good ways of embracing his promises and celebrating his praise. When it comes to spiritual disciplines and giving yourself things to think about. It's difficult to choose a better one besides perhaps just memorizing scripture than putting hymns into your heart as well. I understand that for many years Pastor Ben made it a practice to try to memorize a hymn on a regular basis. And those are still embedded deeply into heart and mind. In fact, not many of you have yet had the experience of going into the, uh, the Alzheimer's wards, but some of you have. Those who are truly suffering from, from significant dementia. What is marvelous, marvelous, about coming alongside the bedsides of some of those people, people who have lived and breathed the life of the church, it is these songs and it is these prayers that have never left them. 
when it comes to joining in with the worship of the church, the creed, the Lord's Prayer, and the song of God's people, those words, those words never go away. They are resilient. I try to tell the kids in confirmation class that I'm not asking you to memorize things for the test. I'm not even asking you to memorize things for confirmation day. I'm asking you to memorize so that when you are 90 and a pastor that I will never know but who is my brother in Christ because of the vows we share comes to you in your need, you will know how to say Amen and Hallelujah and the Our Father. And they will be there ready resources for God to use to comfort you when everything else is chaos. And there truly is only one light left to be your salvation, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever layer of comfort gives you the peace that passes all understanding, that keeps your heart and mind in faith towards Christ Jesus. Let that be your eternal comfort and your stay for all time. Amen.